Father, speak a word. We're here. You look down upon us, children who are hungry. So feed us with the bread of heaven, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. And a good morning to our online uh, viewers, those of you of whom we are jealous because you are still in your pajamas drinking your coffee. We know what you're doing. (laughs) I want to ask a question today. What is faith? What is faith? You know, the Bible gives these kind of, you know, what we might say doctrinal definitions of faith. We're told that we are justified by faith. We're declared righteous in God's eyes through faith in Jesus Christ. Or we read uh, that famous passage in Hebrews chapter 11 that says, Faith is the assurance of those things we hope for, the evidence of things not seen. And those are helpful to some extent, those sort of teaching definitions that really get at the meat of the theology of faith. But the Holy Spirit, in writing his book, knew that we needed to see what faith looked like lived out in stories. And so much of the Bible consists of stories that actually demonstrate what faith looks like. Interestingly enough, I was thinking about how Hebrews chapter 11, is anybody familiar with that passage? And it's talking about, we call them the heroes of faith, and it talks about people like Abraham and Moses and stuff. It actually never says anything like, uh, in, Abraham was commended for his faith because he understood the doctrine of the Trinity, or the doctrine of justification, right? It said he was commended for his faith because he believed God, and he w- got up and went where God told him to go and believed that God was going to be with him and, and bless him and fulfill his promises. So in this uh, gospel passage today, we have this beautiful beautiful story, a demonstration of what uh, faith looks like. So the sermon title today, if you take notes or whatever and want that, is called Wet Faith. So we're going to talk about what does it mean to have wet faith. And I'm going to kind of look at this passage about Jesus walking on water and Peter coming to him as a somewhat of an allegory. So it's going to be sort of an allegorical take on the passage. But I think you'll follow me as we we dig into the passage. So if you have a Bible, we're in Matthew chapter uh, 14. And we, uh, or you can just follow along in your bulletin. We're uh, starting in verse, let's, let's start in verse 24. So remember from last week, Jesus went to try to get some quiet time and the crowds followed him. And it said because he had compassion on them, he healed their sick and then he fed the 5,000. He didn't put his own needs first. Well, once again, after the, the crowds are dismissed, after being fed and healed and being ministered to by Jesus, he tries to get some quiet time again. Okay, so we know how exhausted he was. And it tells us in verse 24... Or in verse 23, that Jesus went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And then it says, later that night, he was there alone. So there's an extended period of time where Jesus is in the presence of the Father. Now, I wonder, it can only speculate uh, on this, but I wonder what he was praying that night. I felt like maybe he got a word from his Father to say, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want the disciples to grow in their faith tonight. So I'm stirring up a storm. Okay, so anyway, that's only speculation. Let's move on. It says that the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because uh, the wind was against it. So they're, the disciples in the boat, I mean, it's getting rocked. They're, they're at the point where they're saying, all right, who is supposed to go to Nineveh? Like, confess, right? What's going on? We're going to throw you into the water so that the storm will stop. And it's bad. And then it tells us that it was, uh, the, the NIV says, shortly before dawn, it literally means the fourth watch of the night. So that's, in, that's between 3 and 6 a.m. So they've been out at a stormy sea all night long. And they're a ways out there. Okay, so they are terrified at this point. Now, you see, Jesus knew that. 
right? Jesus knew that there was a storm all night. He was there on the coast. And he didn't still it. Think about that for a minute. He didn't... We know he can because he does in other passages. But he didn't still the storm. He allowed it to continue. You see, God does sometimes allow very difficult things into our experience in life so that we see Jesus approaching us in the midst of it. He allows very difficult things sometimes so that we'll see Jesus approaching in the midst of it and cling to him. This is one of the most important truths that I've probably learned as I've walked with the Lord for the last 10 years is that God is more concerned with building relationship with us than he is keeping us comfortable all the time. Can anyone say amen to that? Does your experience show you that? God is not always going to keep you comfortable, but what he is more concerned about is building a relationship with you and building your trust and your faith in him. So Jesus starts walking out towards them. You know, just another evening stroll on the waters of the ocean. Just like in Genesis 1, chapter uh, chapter 1, verse 2, and it says the Spirit of God hovered over the waters at creation. Oh, it's just Him again, in the flesh, hovering over the waters, out for an evening stroll. And it tells us, it tells us this in verse 26, when the disciples saw Him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Not only are they being thrown around by enormous hurricane waves, they now see this spirit, what they think is some kind of spiritual uh, apparatus coming towards them. Not a great night for them so far. And Jesus, as he gets within earshot, immediately said to them, Take courage. It literally means in the Greek, be of good cheer. Cheer up, mates. Really? <laughs> really? Did you know that it's, that, that joy is possible when, when everything around you tells you to cower in fear? What a lesson that is. What a, what a, what a, what a helpful principle that is to think about in, with everything going on in the world right now. Everything around us tells us to to cower in fear, to be afraid. There's so much going on in this country. And Christians are called to have joy in the midst of that. In the midst of this storm, Jesus tells his disciples, be of good cheer. It is I. It is I. You know what that says in in the Greek? It says, I am. Jesus just shows up and he says, I am. Where did we hear those words before? In the burning bush. Yahweh appearing to Moses. It's a declaration of his identity, who he is. And he says, don't be afraid. You see, in Jesus, we have a we have an eternal security kept in heaven for us, as Peter says. It's unperishable. It's unfading. If you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, it doesn't matter what storm of life, whether figurative or literal, comes your way. Your inheritance of salvation is being kept for you in the eternal heavenly realms. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Now, of course, the one disciple who, who gets this reckless, childlike kind of faith is Peter. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Sometimes... When you're getting out of the boat, and this is the allegory that we're going to kind of follow today, is getting out of the boat. 
getting wet faith, being willing to step out of the safety zone into the, into the stormy waters to find Jesus meeting us. But sometimes, just like here with Peter, you won't be certain it's the Lord calling you to do something and you need to press in with prayer, right? You need to keep moving towards Jesus if you're not 100% sure. And don't wait for 100% certainty if God is calling you to take a risk. You usually doesn't give that much certainty. So Jesus, in a word that he often spoke to people, says to Peter, Come. Come. He says in John chapter 6, If anyone comes to me, I will never cast them away. We talked last week about coming to Jesus. That Christianity is a continual turning our eyes to Jesus and coming to him, the living person of Jesus Christ. You see, coming to Jesus, it's not easy or comfortable. Think about what Peter must have been going through right then in that moment, right? As he's getting ready to jump out of the boat and it's being rocked by waves and stuff. Just think about this, right? Sometimes in the pictures, the paintings, they, they kind of paint this still sea and Peter's like, you know, climbing down the ladder or something. I don't know. But think about what was going on. This boat's being rocked and Peter, his heart had to be racing. His blood pressure had to be up. He had to be very uncomfortable to make this move, but he wanted to come and see if it was Jesus. He wanted to take the risk. You see, Christianity, it's not about living in in constant safety and comfort. It's not. It's about living in a beautiful union with the one who himself is eternal safety and comfort. You see, if you have him, you have everything. If you have Jesus... You have everything. You see, Jesus died for our sin, not to give us comfortable lives that are always free of suffering and turmoil, but to get us back into his presence. That's the main thing. Am I right? Can I get a witness? To get back into his presence. It's what we lost in the Garden of Eden. We were booted out of God's presence because of our sin. And he gave his life on the cross to get us back into his presence. You see, the risks that that God calls you to take, they might involve discomfort and suffering, but it doesn't mean that God is abandoning you. So many people are on 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 the threshold of a breakthrough in their faith, in the storms, in the difficulties of life, and then they turn away from God, believing that God has abandoned them, believing that lie from Satan, that God has abandoned you. If you're in going through difficulties, God has abandoned you. If you haven't been healed yet in your body, God has abandoned you. If you haven't had the financial finances come in to meet the bills yet, God has abandoned you. It's a lie from the enemy. And so many people are right there on that threshold of just jumping out into the water and trusting God and having a breakthrough in their faith and in their relationship with God and they turn away. We see so many people just even through the media in Christian media taught, taught these articles about people leaving the faith these days. Just, just not being able to trust God, believing that, that, that somehow he, he's, he's the author of all the suffering in the world and things like that. You see, it's a lie from the enemy to, to, to tell God's people that he's abandoned them. His promise is he'll never leave us or forsake us. Amen? It's his presence, his living presence that's with us. And Peter, he dips a foot in the water and he gets out and he starts walking to Jesus with a kind of Reckless abandonment. 
It's a beautiful thing. I was reading about abandonment in, in a book uh, by a 17th century mystic a Christian writer named Madame Guyon. And uh, she says this, I thought it was so beautiful about suffering and difficulty and abandoning yourself to the Lord. She says, there's a possibility that you might make a mistake concerning your abandonment to the Lord. You may abandon yourself to the Lord, hoping and expecting always to be caressed and loved and spiritually blessed by him. You who have given yourself to the Lord during some pleasant season, please take note of this. If you gave yourself to him to be blessed and to be loved, you cannot suddenly turn around and take back your life at another season when you are being crucified. Whew. That one stings a little. Now, what does wet faith look like? Verse 30 says, when Peter saw the wind, he's walking on the water, he takes the risk, but you see, when he sees the wind, he starts questioning everything. And he starts to sink. Now, I always kind of pictured this at the Sunday school thing, you know, his feet start to go underwater a little bit and Jesus picks them up. But sinking means you're fighting to get out of the water, it's washing over you. If you've got thrown about around in the waves out at the beach, you know what it's like on a rough day, and he's sinking. And Jesus grabs his hand. Jesus doesn't say, too bad, so sad, should have had better faith. He does rebuke him. He does challenge him. But he grabs his hand. And he lifts him out of the water. It's a beautiful scene. Jesus said, I, ne I will never leave you or forsake you. And so many of us, we are, avoid the discomfort and the risks that Christianity calls us to because we're actually worried in our hearts that God's going to abandon us. We're actually worried if we make that enormous uh, a donation to a charitable organization that, that, that the Lord laid on our heart that somehow we're going uh, to now bumble through the next month's finances. We're afraid that if we go over and talk to that person that God has just drawn our attention to in the grocery store to ask them uh, if, if, if there's anything that they need prayer for, and we get afraid that Jesus is just going to leave us hanging and not show up and do it ourselves. We do, right? In that minute, like we're like Peter and we start to sink. And yet, despite our faulty, wobbling faith, Jesus sees a heart that is inclined towards him and that is set on coming towards him, and he grabs us and he picks us up. And he partners with us. And he draws us close to his breast. Come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened, and I'll give you rest. He won't abandon you, friends. He won't abandon you just like he didn't uh, abandon Peter. See, this is how Jesus responds when our faith gets wobbly and shaky. There's this other story in the, in the gospel and Jesus is having a conversation with Peter, and he says, you know, his name's Simon Peter in this other passage. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Do you know there's a battle for your faith in the spiritual realm? There's a battle for your faith. Satan wants to rob you of it, to get you to believe God abandoned you and turn you away from him, turn your heart hard towards him. And the other thing he wants to do is rob you of the faith that would make you a, an effective minister for the kingdom of God. Satan is not bothered by ineffective believers. And Jesus is calling us out onto the ocean. 
the stormy waters where you have to take a risk and trust him that he's going to meet you there, do powerful things through you. Jesus prays for us. He tells us in Hebrews chapter 7, he's at the right hand of God making intercession for us. If you step out in those stormy waters to take a risk for his kingdom, to give him glory, to win his help win his inheritance for him, he won't abandon you. He's your advocate. He stands at the Father's right hand praying on your behalf, believer. What a beautiful thing. What a partner we have for ministry. One who calls us not slaves, but friends. And so many of us stay in the boat just in case he abandons us. Just in case we sink and he lets go of us. You see, Jesus stretches out his hand when we begin to move towards him, but you have to take it and keep going towards him. Where is he? In the sick, in the hungry, in the people who are lost and perishing. He's there waiting for you to come and share the good news, to bring food and healing and the power of the Spirit that lives in you to bring wholeness into people's lives. He won't abandon you. It's not up to you. That's the problem with so much of this for us is we think it's up to us. We operate in our own strength and saying, Holy Spirit, come, here I go. Use me. Use me. Now, verse 31, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, and he says to Peter, you of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? Right? He, he didn't, now, here's the thing about this. Jesus is gentle and, and tender and, and everything, but he didn't baby Peter. He said, you, your faith is too little. Right? You have, you have too little faith. That tells us, we, this is what we can take away from this, is that Jesus is saying, we have a capacity for the, a greater faith than we have right now. Y'all with me? We ha- God has put a capacity in us for a greater faith than we currently have right now. Jesus says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Peter, you should have just kept your eyes on me and kept, kept, kept coming towards me. You would have made it. You would have made it. You see, God is not done working on any of us, on our faith. He's not done. Right? That's the thing. No matter where you are, if you feel like a failure today, that your faith has failed God, that you've just blown it too many times, God's not done with you. Jesus isn't just going to walk away from you. He's going to grab you as you're sinking and pull you back up. Will you take his hand? Will you take his hand? Will you take his hand? I, I love uh, documentaries. I've been so, I, I, I talk pretty openly about, you know, Netflix and, and getting wrapped up and getting too indulged. And I always preach about the sin of, you know, <laughs> binging on Netflix too much instead of praying. But I do love documentaries. And I was watching a documentary this past week. It's called Magnetic, and I highly recommend it. And it's about uh, athletes. I guess is what you would call them, who are addicted to that adrenaline rush that you get when you do the extreme stuff. Like, oh, those like five million feet mountains skiing down them. But the first section is my favorite. Did I sound like a WWF wrestler just then? That wasn't what I was going for, but it just came out that way. So um, the first part of the documentary, it, it, it um, follows these surfers who are after the biggest waves in the world. Now, does anybody know where, where do you think the biggest waves in the world are? And take a guess. Australia? South Africa? 
Spain. They're in a place called, a little port called Nazare, Portugal. Little, little shore called Nazare, Portugal. And there are waves upwards of 90 feet. Like, you can't even really picture that right now. Like, I don't know how high the ceiling is. Like, what, maybe 25, 30 feet, maybe? What do you think? So picture a wave. Let's just picture a wave three times the height of the ceiling of the church. And there are these surfers, and there's only a handful of them, who are obsessed with getting out there, and they are devoted to getting out there and riding those bad boys. It's incredible film footage. But, but what they have to do, they know the risk. They know the risk, and some have died. They know the risk, but what you have to do is you have to have a partner that you trust who takes you out on a jet ski. And so they get on these ropes, and they ride on the back of the jet ski with the partner who rides through these waves. I mean, I don't even know how they do that on a motorized uh, vehicle. And they get them out there, and then they drop off the back and hold on to a rope, and the jet ski pulls them into the wave as it's rising, and then they let go of the rope, and they ride the wave, and it's like this big thing, and they're like this little ant, like coming down the wave. It's awesome. And they said in the documentary that thousands of people come out a certain time of year when the swell is as, is as big as it gets, so they get those big waves, and thousands of people, they showed thousands of people on the shoreline taking pictures, filming, just in awe of what these few surfers in the world who are willing to go out and do that. You see, I thought this is a picture, maybe, of the American church. There's a few, there's some out there. And there's a lot of spectators who are cheering them on, just watching for the show, staying in the boat, staying on shore. And Jesus is saying, come out and ride the waves. There's more. There's more of me for you to experience. So you can be a spectator or you can get out on the water and do amazing things for God. Amazing things. God will do to a life that is fully surrendered to Him. Beloved, we have the most reliable, faithful partner living inside of us. You know, when I look at the New Testament church, just reading through the New Testament, especially the book of Acts, they didn't build little nice buildings, and, and I'm not speaking against that. They didn't, you know, their focus wasn't getting all the programs right for children and teenagers and then adults and then Christian ed, confirmation class. They didn't do that. They just prayed with boldness, and they went out, and they proclaimed the gospel. They fed the hungry. They healed the sick. They cast out demons. They walked in the power of God, and they trusted and had nothing but the raw power of God. They brought all their possessions together and said, hey, who has a need? Let's share it. Let's give. But if you just read through it, it's such a, it's such a, it stands in such stark contrast to so much of what we see in the church today. Sort of trying to do things in our own wisdom and, 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 and strength and getting things just right and pretty and attractive and we get so lost in all of that. It's such a slippery slope. Sometimes I'm just like, I mean, I get you, we need programs, but I'm like, I don't even want to have programs. It's a slippery slope. Then the next thing, program leads to committee. And then committee leads to subcommittee and sub-subcommittee. And we all know, <laughs> we all know who will never serve on a committee. He says, just tell me where to be. That's a man of action. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit is out in the world trying to call us out 
into the presence of Jesus out there in the storms that are going around us. Protests and looting and violence and and sickness. And he's calling us out there. But you see, it starts with falling at his feet at the start of your day. You, You can't go just run out there and do that without just being with Him and falling in love with Him again. And the reason so many Christians today don't get out there and go do that stuff is because they've fallen out of love with Jesus in the, in the quiet place. They've got bored with Him. They don't believe He really wants to meet Him there and just pour out the sweetness of His presence on them. And so they, you know, maybe scroll through a devotional for five minutes and, and utter a couple of prayer requests, but we just don't sit at His feet and just soak there like Mary of Bethany. And just pour out our hearts before Him. Let Him let Him just pour His love over us. And grow in our confidence. That's where it starts. You see, if you fall deeply in love with Jesus in the quiet place, if you feel His loving gaze upon you and you gaze back at Him, you'll be drawn up into His life. And when you're drawn up into His life, you'll know when He's calling you out of the boat and what He's calling you to do. And you'll be able to do it because you'll know He's living inside you. And he won't abandon you because he's a faithful God. He's faithful. I want to just close with, with this prayer from, I've, I've read it before in sermons as a close, but it's just, it's so powerful as a way to close your message. And I was reading it this morning, Ephesians chapter 3. I was reading it from the New Living Translation, which is a little bit more sort of a looser translation to try to get at the meaning of the text. And I just think it nails it. And so this is what I want to close with this today. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to kind of read this as Paul read it as a prayer over the people that he was writing to. So I just want to pray this over all of us uh, today. So just pray with me and just drink in these words from God's word. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.